Welcome to the Andy Griffin Show, the number one talk show in St. George, starring Andy Griffin. Attempting to be a voice of reason in the wilderness. Doesn't always work out, but uh, we're trying. It's uh, 11 minutes after 9 a.m. Good morning, everybody. This is the Andy Griffin Show. So glad you have joined me uh, today. We've got a couple of guests lined up. Uh, coming at the bottom of the hour is... A lady by the name of Margot Lenmark. Margot is an author. Uh, she has a fascinating t- uh, tale to tell. Her, uh, her life was not like yours and mine. She grew up around dead people. Uh, quite literally, she was the daughter of an undertaker, a mortician, and uh, they lived in the same building as the uh, mortuary. And uh, she's going to tell us a little bit about some of her experiences with the dead and some of the things that she heard, felt, and experienced. That's coming up uh, in about uh, 15 or 20 minutes from now. Uh, right now, though, we've got uh, on the phone three executives from the uh, State Bank of Southern Utah, we're going to talk about, uh, well, financially, what the heck's going on in the world today and how they're trying to help out. We've got Lenore Warby, Clint Penrod, and Eric Sawyer. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for coming on today. Uh, I know that there's some special things that you guys are doing and that uh, that the county is doing and just kind of trying to help people out because these are, well, certainly trying times, aren't they? They certainly are. We've really been impacted here in southern Utah with the coronavirus, and uh, there's a lot of impact to our local businesses, and, of course, uh, people work at those businesses, and that's impacted their personal uh, incomes, and so it's going to have a big impact in our area. Lenore, are you aware? I mean, I I guess it would just be a guess, but how many people are out of work right now in in St. George and, and Washington County? I, I don't know that number. Uh, I don't think it's as high as it may be in other areas of in other areas, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a pretty high number. Well, maybe it's if you gonna have, go it's ahead, it's going to get worse probably. Yeah, it's it's going to get worse before it get, gets better. I agree, especially if I know the governor has been resistant to uh, locking things down like has happened in other states. But uh, if that happens, boy, we're really going to have some situations where a lot of people are going to be at home uh, not working and a lot of people that are, are going to be at home and working a little bit. Uh, so it's cool that you guys have put some together some programs. What programs are available and where's the best place to get information on these programs? Well, I think Congress realized that uh, this would have a a very detrimental impact uh, on our economy. And so they they passed the the CARES Act, and it provided uh, one of the good things is is that it provided some some help right where it needed to go to small business. Uh, Mm -hmm. the, The neat thing is is that through the Small Business Administration, uh, they have targeted not Wall Street firms, but Main Street firms uh, that can be benefited uh, by these uh, by these programs. And uh, the ones that we are dealing with as a community bank here in southern Utah and, and where most of our customers uh, would be impacted is through programs with the SBA. And we're really lucky here at State Bank to have uh, some uh, great team members uh, in our credit services, uh, Clint Penrod and Eric Sawyers. Eric Sawyers is our uh, is our SBA specialist, and so I'm going to let him tell a little bit about some of those programs. All right, Clint, or excuse me, Eric, if you'll tell us a little bit about what an SBA guaranteed loan is and how it can help us all out. 
All right. Well, in general, an SBA guaranteed loan is a loan made to to businesses that may not normally qualify for a loan on a conventional basis. Mm-hmm. The SBA will provide a guarantee to to the bank for making the loan, and it will provide a means so that these businesses can get the funding that they need. Um, the with this CARES Act that um, Lenore just talked about, mm-hmm. they made a change to this program, and they created a new program called the Paycheck Protection Program. Um, this is a this is a new program. This is the one that is being talked a lot um, about. You know, not only in the media, but by a lot of businesses and accountants. And what that is is it's a program that will provide cash flow assistance by the SBA guaranteeing a 100% loan um, to employers that maintain their payroll during this emergency. Oh, wow. It's a, it, almost an incentive then for them to say, hey, you stay open and keep paying them and, and we'll take care of you. Exactly. It's um, the, you know, as, as is probably being felt by a lot of businesses, the, um, you know, there is a crunch on knowing whether to stay open, whether to maintain um, employees, um, whether to lay people off or, you know, maybe even reduce salaries. And this program, it's one that will encourage them to to maintain those payrolls during this time. Um, so if, it, if there's a small business that um, is looking for this type of financing, um, if they contact, the, you know, an SBA lender or go to the SBA's website, they can you'll get a lot more information on it. I know we had uh, we had some restaurant owners on the show uh, earlier that well actually it was last week but uh, their biggest their, they said the hardest part about this whole thing was having to go to their employees and say we you know like servers or or dishwashers people like that and say I I'm sorry we we just can't pay you anymore we don't you know we 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 don't have need for you and, and that was heartbreaking for them so this sounds like a, a a way to make it so that they don't have to have their heart broken huh, huh Eric Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I know that most of the businesses that we deal with here in southern in southern Utah would be eligible for this type of financing. Um, any business that you know was in operation on or before February fifteenth of this year um, and has less than five hundred employees, you know, they could qualify for this type of a loan, and it's geared specifically to um, funding payroll costs and encouraging these businesses to not worry about laying people off or letting them go. Let's talk some of the yeah, nuts. One, oh, go ahead. Well, one of the neat things about it uh, is the program can actually uh, be be forgiven. The, the loan can be forgiven under certain circumstances. And so uh, it, not, it doesn't burden them with a loan that they have to repay. If they maintain the employees, uh, it can actually be be forgiven. Let's let's talk about that uh, first of all. Let, well, let's talk about some of the nuts and bolts of it. Who who is eligible and how much can be borrowed? Well, essentially, it is that uh, small business owner who has employees of fewer than five hundred. Fewer than uh, five hundred. Okay. Uh, there there's a, there are other stipulations on on how much income the business makes, and they would have to be considered small business based on SBA's criteria. Um, and they can borrow up to two and a half times their average monthly uh, payroll um, 
So they'll take their payroll, they'll get an average for the month, each month, and then they'll take that average and times it by two and a half. Um, and that, that's capped out at $10 million, which is a pretty big number for most businesses in southern Utah anyway. Um, not, but uh, So that is about... The idea, I think, was to give them about eight weeks of payroll relief. Exactly. And, yep. and so that's, that's what the, the purpose of the loan is. So uh, this this goes beyond, of course, the, the stimulus checks that every everybody is going to receive. Uh, talk about the terms of the loan. Are these interest-free loans or are these low-interest loans? What What's the terms on that? Okay, so the, the terms for the loan would be that, you know, once a, a loan has been approved, um, the borrower will not have to make payments on the loan for um, a period of no less than six months but couldn't maybe be as great as 12 months on the, on it. Um, after eight weeks, um, the, like Lenore said, the loan can be forgiven. Any amount that isn't forgiven will be termed out over a 10-year period with an interest rate that won't exceed 4%. So um, for most businesses, it, if, they're, if the loan hasn't been forgiven, then um, the remaining payment, you know, it shouldn't be excessive, and hopefully the businesses would be able to handle it. Have they outlined the details on the forgiving part of the loan and what, what, what it will take for that to happen? Is it, is it if the, the pandemic lasts longer than we think, or, or what, do you, what are the details on that? For the forgiveness portion of it, um, but they haven't really outlined, you know, as far as, like, how long mm-hmm. the pandemic would last. It's not really tied to that. It's, it's more tied to during the eight weeks following the following when the loan was made, if the borrower maintains their payroll, which would be number of employees, and also maintain the amount of salary during that time, then that amount could be forgiven. Okay. And then, of course, if they use it for eligible purposes as well, you know, so in addition to payroll, if they use it for um, paying paying their mortgages on their business or paying rents or lease payments or utility payments, those are also eligible purposes that the loan could be forgiven for. But the main thing is that they need to maintain um, their employees. Sounds like they're qualified. Yeah, it sounds like they're trying really hard to make it so that we can make, so we can last, so we can make it through this. Uh, now I'm reading a in, economic injury disaster loan. What is an EIDL? So an EIDL loan is a direct loan through SBA. So these are loans that they can apply for uh, at through the SBA's website, and they're in fact developing and and, and working towards this. We got an email this morning with a new website that they're coming out with to to streamline these loans directly from the the SBA. But these these loans are much more broad in their use. So the business can get an economic injury disaster loan um, and use it for more than just um, payroll. Uh, They can use it for really any of their accounts payables, other other immediate um, financial needs um, to, to survive the next eight weeks or so. Just can't use it to refinance other debt. Yep. Basically anything else that they need. So those, those loans can last up to 30 years and uh, like a three and 3.75% rate, but those are directly 
funded and uh, serviced and administered by the Small Business Administration. So if I'm, say, a sales-based company, I can use those to help recoup my losses uh, from loss of sales? You know, that, that's really what's important because a lot of these small businesses are going to have losses. It's, part of the problem is, is the revenues have stopped, but the expenses haven't stopped. Right. And so they are going to, to have losses, and about the only way they can cover that is to get a long-term loan and, and eat away at that loss a little bit at a time. And, and this gives them that, uh, that ability to do that and kind of earn their way back out of this as hopefully things come back soon and uh, they can start getting these revenues up. We get people traveling back down to southern Utah and uh, coming and visit, visiting uh, the great area that we live in. Okay, so can you tell us, did they give you some terms on these economic injury disaster loans? Yes, uh, they can go up to 30 years, which is a long time, and that's uh, and the, there would be a monthly payment, and then the interest rate would be 3.75 percent. Pretty good rate, as, as, as good yeah, as a ha- maximum, as good as a home loan. <laughs> yeah, the maximum uh, loan amount is two million, so they could cover. You know, it should be able to help most of the small businesses here in Southern Utah. But that's going to, one of the things that concerns me a little bit about these loans is they're going to have a, a lot of these loans going into the SBA. Uh, those have to be uh, approved and uh, serviced and completed by the SBA, and they're going to have a, I think they're going to be inundated with a lot of uh, applications. So it, it, it may take a little bit of time to get those done as the SBA gears up with that. As, as a, one of the other things on all of the programs is that we haven't we haven't actually got the guidance. Did that come out this morning, guys? Yeah. So we're uh, especially on the paycheck protection. Uh, we don't know we 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 know what was passed in the bill, what the what the bill had in it, but we don't know uh, the nuts and bolts and uh, the formulas, all of the things that the, the SBA is going to put together for that. We're hoping that comes out today. And, and this, this Paycheck uh, Protection uh, Loan is not, a, is not a secret. We've probably had, we've had literally hundreds of customers calling us wanting these loans already. <laughs> so we're trying to gear up for it, but we don't know exactly how all of it's going to work yet. As a financial institution, as advisors, would you guys recommend a business try to scrape by and, and not get a loan if they can avoid it? Or is this something they need to just go ahead and jump into, realizing that uh, it might, may be the difference between them staying in business and not? Well, you know, they're going to need to look and see what their cash flow needs are. Uh and some of them, I don't. I think the revenues, especially in our hospitality industry and uh, food yeah. and accommodation, a lot of those, their revenues are going to be cut so far that I don't. I don't see how they're going to weather this without getting uh, some of these loans. We also, the SBA has also got some direct loans that a financial institution can offer. Uh, here at State Bank, we can we can do that. Uh, they're called express loans. They have liberalized the terms of those dramatically for the bank. Uh, those loans can be up to a million dollars, 
and uh, they can they're also 100% guaranteed by the SBA so that the bank can put some terms on that that can really help some of these borrowers so they've given us a lot of tools but you know you just need to get with a, a loan officer or somebody who who knows your business and can help you tailor something that will help meet your needs and help you through this crisis and help you through these this uh, challenging times, which uh, I've been doing this for almost 40 years, and I'll tell you, this is this is the craziest time I can remember yeah, yeah, for in sure. my 40-year career. For sure. Well, it sounds like to me there's some really good programs out there. That, that Paycheck Protection Program not only takes care of you as a business owner, but that can help take care of your, your your employees. I know, like I said, we had those restaurant owners on last week, and they were all heartbroken when they had to go and tell their employees, I'm sorry, I just can't let you work anymore. So hopefully that will help them out. Hey, guys, how do we uh, get more information on these programs? Eric? Well, the... The biggest thing that you could do is to contact your, you know, contact the loan officer, like Lenore said, somebody that you've dealt with or is familiar with your with your business or industry. Um, a lot of accountants, they have information on these programs as well. So if you deal with an accountant, it may not hurt to give them a call and, you know, discuss the, your, the issues you're facing as well and if any of these programs might be beneficial. Um, you can also go to the SBA's website. Um, they have a lot of information on there. So if you go to um, sba.gov slash disaster, um, that's where you can get a lot of information, not only on this uh, Paycheck Protection um, Program, but also on that emergency or that economic injury disaster loan from the SBA as well. Awesome, guys. And I know they can give you a call, too, there at State Bank of Southern Utah at 435-865-2320. Lenore Warby, Clint Penrod, and Eric Sawyer. Guys, thanks so much for coming on today and explaining all this to us. Well, thank you. And uh, we're, you know, it's great to live in a great community in southwest Utah. We have great people here and great borrowers, and we're grateful to have the tools that we can try and help them through this. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks, fellas. All right, thank you. It's 929 on News Radio 949 KDXU. Welcome back to the program. I am Andy Griffin. It's 933. So glad you've joined me this morning. It's a sunny and gorgeous day here in southern Utah. Now, uh, I promised an author, Margo, Margo Lenmark is on the phone with me. Margo, how are you this morning? I'm fine, thank you, Andy. I'm doing well. I hope you are, too. Well, it's a crazy time right now, isn't it? It sure is. Boy, I'm happy we're talking on the phone, both healthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we don't have to sterilize anything to talk on the phone, I guess. Uh, where, where, where are you at, by the way, Margo? I'm in Boone, North Carolina, way up on a mountaintop, and um, I'm a realtor, so we're selling a lot of property up here because people want to be where there's no people mm-hmm. and fresh air. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame them there. I don't blame them there. We're, we're here in southern Utah. We've got, uh, oh, there's about 170,000 people in our county, but it's a pretty big county, and you can get away from it all if you want to, for sure. 
Yes, it's important. <laughs> so, uh, Margo, uh, we, we want to talk about your book, and we will, uh, and some of your experiences there. I, I wanted to ask you a little bit about kind of the the feeling out there uh, where you are on everything that's going on right now. Um, obviously, we have uh, daily press conferences with the president, and we have you know uh, uh, doctors coming on and telling us what to do and what not to do. How is it affecting life and uh, where you're at? Well, right now we are on a stay-at-home. Um, oh. I get to still go up because I'm a realtor and real estate is essential. But uh, what I'm doing is I am showing property on a video. I just walk, I do a walk-through video, and I put a house under contract yesterday just by doing that. So people are really observing um, the social distancing and, and, and trying to stay home as much as possible, and I think it's really important to do. And I think it's also doing another important thing. I, I really think it's God's way of just going, okay, time out. Mm. Everybody stop and realize what's important in your life. Because we, we just, we go, we've gone crazy in this world. And I think it's really establishing people's values. And they're really realizing how important it is to spend time with their family and, and spend time with themselves just quietly, you know, um, I think that's the good side of it. You know, I know that there's the economy and job loss, and it's just heartbreaking. But I think ultimately there's always a good side, a flip side to that coin. Margo, I have a 16-year-old at home who uh, she actually went to Hawaii a couple of weeks ago, but she's she's still under the 14-day uh, kind of self-isolation thing right now. And uh, I'm telling you what, keeping a 16-year-old in the house is <laughs> is a challenge. She, she is going nuts. So, uh, oh, she she has no appreciation for what I just said. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she's kind of like, ah! and I think she's watched everything. I, I think she's done with Netflix. I think she finished it. She's watched everything. So, <laughs> Every single thing on Netflix. <laughs> it seems well, like. You know, it. it's funny. The musicians are 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 um, writing lyrics to songs like. Uh, you know, stand by me. Somebody did one that don't stand by don't me. Stand by and, me. Oh my yeah. God, the musicians are going wild, and it's so funny. I love them. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I have been uh, on a personal note. I because I'm in the news radio. I've been working actually uh, almost double my normal hours uh, because uh, because of my the nature of my job. So uh, it's affected me a little differently than than a lot of other people who are out of work or, or working from home. Oh, that's home. very interesting. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. My wife, by the way, works in the the courts and she's actually the courts have been ordered to remain open because of uh, people's right to a speedy trial so she's actually been working quite a bit as well so our poor two two daughters that we have left at home are, have been uh, kind of lonely a little bit so oh my god <laughs> anyway we're talking with margo landmark tell us first of all tell us a little bit about your uh, about your experience growing up as we segue into talking about your book uh you grew up under unique circumstances margo Yes, I grew up, uh, my father was an undertaker. We did not live at the funeral home, but, you know, every day after school, I'd go to get a ride home with them, and I'd take my friends with me and all, and we'd wait in the funeral home. Hmm. And so I grew up around death, and it's very, um, what, uh, I'm, I'm used to it. I, it's a very comfortable kind of atmosphere for me because I've been around it so much. So I think I grew up with less fear of death than most people. You, under, um, you understand how unique that perspective is, because most of us, death is such a scary, mysterious thing, so, so we didn't have that experience that you did. That's very, it's very unique. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And then as I got older, um, what happened is people close to me who died came back 
to me and gave me very clear messages about what's important about life and what we sh- how sh- we should be living our life. That is also very unique. And um, I, I was just used to that kind of experience until somebody said to me, Margo, don't take that experience for granted. Most people don't have that experience. That's right. You need to write about this so that people feel more comfortable with the subject. And it's, I think it's probably time to start coming to terms with this subject, especially today's, <laughs> today's yeah. day and age, you know, with what's going on right now. By the way, your, uh, her book uh, is Light in the Morning, and it's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, Light in the Morning, Memoirs of an Undertaker's Daughter. Uh, what, uh, what, what was your experience like as a little girl being around what your father did for a living? Was it, was it at first hard to digest, or was it just for you second nature? It was second nature because, you know, you can imagine when I'm one and two years old and my dad's carrying me on his arm into the funeral home, it's, that's what your experience is. And so it didn't feel like anything different to me. It's just kind of how I grew up. And um, so growing up through the years, it was just completely natural for me. It, it was just easy to be around it. It, it. Yeah, and I know that's unique. People go, ooh, mm, yuck. You yeah. know? <laughs> It didn't feel that way to me. I was just a kid. I was a baby, you know. And so, um, yeah, I'm comfortable with the whole subject. I wanted to ask you about an experience I had. For a few weeks, I was in, uh, worked as a more uh, embalmer's apprentice was the name of it uh, while I was in college. So this was 30-something years ago. Uh, but mm-hmm. um, I didn't. I did not have a problem with being around uh, the dead bodies and 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 you know the embalming. None of that stuff really bothered me. The, the reason I quit the job after a few weeks, and the thing that really bothered me was being around the, the living people who were so, always so emotional, so sad, so upset. Did you have mm-hmm. to deal with that as well? Was that something, because that really got to me. Yes, I did not because I was young, but my father did. And my father, um, my father was like a saint, honestly. He was in the right business because he he had a sixth sense about him when it came to helping the people grieve. I, I can't explain my father. He was, he was almost otherworldly with his compassion and his insight. And he had an ability to help people with their grief like I've never seen in my life. Um, so I didn't have to deal with it, but I saw him deal with it. And I just saw the most wonderful transformations take place in people's hearts. They go from grieving to to actually kind of coming to terms with it and they'd leave, you know, smiling. And I, I mean, he was amazing. He mm. was, he did a great job of his job, but I understand because it's really hard to, it's hard when people are grieving it. It's such a final thing. It's a final step in life and it's hard yeah. to deal with. And that's where I hope my book helps people because um, it gives a perspective on life and death both. And, um, and I've had a lot of people track me down on the phone and on email just saying, thank you for your book. I feel so much better about my grieving process, or I feel so much easier about the subject of death. I'm not afraid to die anymore, you know? So it gives quite a perspective of that, um, in my book with the different stories of the messages people gave me. There was a, another apprentice at the same time as me, and I asked him about that. I said, hey, I'm, I'm okay with, you know, picking up bodies and doing whatever you have to do, but how do you get used to the sadness all the time? And he said, oh, you, you just get used to it. You, after a while, you don't even notice it. And I thought, I don't know that I can do that. I don't know that I want to do that necessarily. Right, right. 
he would not make a good funeral director <laughs> or a good <laughs> grief counselor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because so, you really have to have empathy. You know, death is a very, very difficult thing to deal with. So let's talk a little bit about some of the, the book is uh, the subtitled Memoirs of an Undertaker's Daughter. What are some of the some of the memoirs, some of the stories that uh, that you uh, kind of uh, got to rehash as you put this book together? Yeah, it took me 12 years to write because I had to remember all the details. And it's actually, I I wish I had named the book Revelations of an Undertaker's Daughter because that's Mm. really more accurate. It's in memoir form because each person has a different story. And it's really interesting because... Every, you have a relationship with somebody while you're alive, and every person that you're with is a very different relationship. Well, when they died, their message was very different from the next person who died and gave me a message, because it has to do with your life with them. You know, like my brother, I was very, very close to him, and, and the message he gave me, because we were so close, I was so attached to him, so when he died, I almost died. It was just such mm-hmm. a oh, mm-hmm. such a difficult loss. So his message to me was, um, he came to me in a dream, and I told him, Mike, when am I going to see you again? When do I get to be with you again? And he said to me, Margo, it's not about that. It's not about being with me again. It's not about who you're with. It's about how you are in your life with whoever you are with. Hmm. And getting that message from him, it really kind of... It did a really great thing, and it gave me a perspective that keeps me very, um, I, I don't know, I keep that perspective in every single relationship because I don't get so attached to the person as how I am being with that person and how I'm loving that person and, um, you know, how I'm keeping the relationship beautiful, you know. So his message was so important to me, but because we were so close, his message would naturally be something like that. It wouldn't be about the stock market or anything. Mm-hmm. You know right. what I mean? The message yeah. the message had to do with your relationship with that person. I, I, I like that, like, especially right now, Margo, because we're in a situation where, uh, like you said earlier, we're spending a lot more time with the people that we live with. Uh, hopefully family members, people that we love. And, and uh, that's, that's really a good message for right now with what we're all going through. Exactly. And another good message, which will show you how different they are. Um, my mother and I had a cat fight relationship through our whole life. Mm-hmm. We were very close, but also fought like crazy. Yeah, the yeah. only relationship in my entire life that I've actually just fought with somebody a lot. And when she died, her message to me was about resolve. It was such an important message. It changed how I lived my life. Um, when right before she died, and I didn't know she was going to die because she died suddenly and unexpectedly, but Right before she died, I was driving her somewhere, and she looked at me, and she said, Margo, I never meant to hurt you. And she started recalling all the times. She was an alcoholic, and, you know, they they really can hurt you. And she started recalling all these times she hurt me and embarrassed me, and we laughed and cried. And we spent almost an hour in the car just laughing and crying. And by the time I dropped her off uh, where I was taking her, we had resolved our whole relationship. So what happened when she died is when I found out, you know, it was like a week later or something, or I don't know, 10 days later, I found out she had died unexpectedly, and I cried really hard for about 20 minutes, and I never cried again because we had our whole relationship resolved. Mm. I didn't know she was going to die, but she, she, before she died, resolved her relationship with me, and it showed me that most of the pain in death 
you of course you're dealing with the pain of somebody gone that's one pain that you can't change but the pain i didn't have to deal with my mom was that agonizing pain of oh my god i wish i would have told her i loved her oh my god i wish we da da da, da. all of the regret there was no regret in our relationship none that's and that is huge <laughs> yeah absolutely because that's, it's a huge incredible. part of the pain in death because a huge part of that pain is people just having regret that they that they died and you never got to resolve something so ever since then i have resolved every single relationship i you know i am not mm. leaving any loose ends i really take care of things right on the spot if there's a misunderstanding or something that so is... she changed how i my relationships. That is great advice. Uh, you know, it, it, you always hear the phrase "live as if you were dying" or "live live as if there were no tomorrow," and uh, that's a real literal way to apply it. Is that you've got to resolve your relationships and not leave them out there. I know there's a couple in my life that probably need a little attention. Uh, one one yes. one I'm proud of is my mother-in-law passed away. It's been. Oh, 15 or 16 years now. But uh, right before she died, she was sick, but we didn't think she was dying soon. We knew she was dying. She had cancer, but we didn't think it, was, it would be soon. And uh, we live about 300 miles from where they live. And we were headed back home after visiting them. And uh, just, you know, nonchalantly, I went out the door, said, see you later. And uh, she said, hey. And I said, what? And she said, Are you, aren't you going to give me a hug? And I was like, uh, well, I guess. You know, kind of went back and gave her a hug and said, love <laughs> you, and, and left the door. That was the last time I saw her. And oh, aren't to, you glad you yeah, did that? To this day, I'm so glad she said, hey, and, and called me back to, to give, her, uh, give her a hug. That's, that's a huge moment for me. As you said, it, it kind of it created a resolution or, you know, it resolved things for me with her because we weren't always the best of friends and we had disagreements on how to raise kids and things like that. But I feel like I left that relationship in a good place. Oh, that is so wonderful. And just think, if she had died and, and she had asked you to come back and give her a hug and you didn't, yeah. you would have regretted that. Oh, yeah. Oh. And that day. regret <laughs> is hard to live with. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Well, Margo, we've got to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll follow up on things. I want to, I want to ask you a little bit about how you became sensitive to some of these messages uh, that you've gotten over the years and, and uh, how, they've, uh, how they've come to you. So we'll, we'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, we're okay. talk- Thanks, Margo. We're talking with Margo Lenmark. She's an author, uh, and her, uh, her book is called uh, Light in the Morning, M-O-U, Morning, Light in the Morning, Memoirs of an Undertaker's Daughter. Uh, we uh, do want to thank real quick Joe Shoney. He's a local loan consultant focusing on customer service. Uh, folks have gotten on and reviewed him, now up over 320, now 323 reviews online on the Social Survey website, and he averages an astounding 4.92 stars out of five. That's incredible. Uh, this one from Michael said, Joe, Corey, and the entire team were very helpful throughout the entire process. All communications were timely and professional. Five stars. Here's one from Alonzo, another five star, said, I feel Joe is the best lender in the business. He's very responsive and has a great knowledge of the mortgage business. And let's see, right down here, one more from Brad. Joe is very knowledgeable and there when you really need it. Give Joe a call today, 435-590-6300. You can email him, joe.shoney, S-C-H-O-N-E-Y, joe.shoney at nafinc.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the program, and happy Tuesday to you, the 31st day of March. Yeah, tomorrow's April Fool's Day. I don't know if it's uh, kind of, I don't know. You got an April Fool's joke planned, Margo? Uh, <laughs> oh, it is. 
Oh, it's not April first, is it? Tomorrow, tomorrow. It's, it's, oh, I don't have one planned. I don't know if there oh are social distancing, social distancing and everything. I don't know if we're allowed to do those, but maybe someone in your household. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure somebody anyway, we're, will. <laughs> we're talking with Margot Lenmark. Her book is uh, Light in the, Mor- in the Morning. It's M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, in case you're looking for it. On Amazon, if you're a Kindle reader, it's only $7.19. And uh, the paperback edition, I think, was, what, 13, 13 bucks or something like that. So really cheap uh, book. I'm, I don't mean cheap in a good way, not a bad way. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, Margo, you were talking about how long it took you to write it. What, what was the biggest thing that, that kind of held you up? Was it just trying to get all your thoughts down on paper? Yeah, I, the, the the details of every story was very clear to me, but it's it's one thing. I can tell you the story, and I can connect the dots for you mm-hmm. and get that message across that that person gave me. But then to put it in writing and and have the emotional impact on the buyer, the buyer, <laughs> realtor, sorry. Yeah, realtor, yeah. <laughs> on the reader, I'm used to saying buyers, have, have the emotional impact on the reader so that they can get it like you did. Um, it, it, that was difficult for me. It was difficult to explain it in such a way that they would kind of get the message. And that was the point of doing that book is that people would vicariously get the same message that I got from people because every message from the people that died was different and everyone changed how I lived my life. Boy, that's it changed me. That's incredible. Considering, you know, we live our life and we don't think about that kind of stuff very often. Can you tell us maybe about some of those messages and, and some of the ways that uh, you receive those messages? Yeah. Um, you know, many of them came in dreams and some people can relate to this. You know, you have your normal dreaming at night mm-hmm. and then every once in a while, uh, people that know this, you, you'll get an actual like visitation from somebody. It's real. It's as if that person were standing right in front of you. And that's how, like the message I just told you I got from my brother, that's what happened with my brother, is he would come to me in dreams, and they're unmistakable because that person is actually there. And the one thing you know for sure is that it's them and that they're there and the message is clear. Um, so it's not one of these elusive kind of dreams. And I think, I think quite a few people can relate to that because I've had people call me and say, I've had that same experience and here's the message they gave me. And when you get that message from somebody, it does change you because it's a truth that you need to hear. And, um, you know, we have that in everyday life. I mean, somebody will come up to us and, you know, how many times do people come up to us and they'll say something and it just clicks in us and it, it changes something in us and it's something we needed to hear and it does something to us. Well, that's what happens when these people come to you after they've died and given you a message. It changes you because it's very real and it's true. And it's something you needed to hear. <laughs> you know what's funny is you, I, I think a saint could say, oh, this is mumbo-jumbo. We're talking about getting uh, you know visions from dead people and stuff. But I don't know a single person that hasn't had one of those kind of dreams that was so real. You woke up uh, breathless. You woke up like, wow, did that, did that really yep. happen? And I, I would say in my life it's maybe only happened three or four times in my, you know, I'm 54 years old in my entire life, but it has happened. And I'm a firm believer that these dreams are manifesting something real. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing you know is that that happened and it was true. And so once somebody's had that experience, they know exactly what I'm talking about. And when my father died, you know, my father was like this saint, like I told you about, he, he was, yeah. he was 
really beloved. People loved my father. He had a countenance about him that was really uh, just just so warm and compassionate and just this wonderful person. Well, when he died, I saw, I got his message in his face in death. I could see in Mm. his face his life, his whole life added up to that moment of death. I could see his whole amazing life add up to that moment. And in that moment, I could see him literally cross over. You could see the expression on his face. Um, You could see... Behind, they had closed his eyes, but behind his eyes, he had this beautific smile on his face, and his eyes were pointed upward, even though they were closed. You could see it in his face, and you could see his soul just, just soar out the top of his head. And um, I really learned a huge thing by looking into his face because what I saw was this: when I looked down and saw that face. I saw that at every given moment, we have the choice to love open-heartedly or not. Hmm. And when we get to the end of our life, it's all going to add up to the choices we made at every given moment. I love it. What a great message. Yeah. And so you know what I do, how that translates in my life? is you know, you come across these experiences where people drive you insane. Mm-hmm. You know, people are crazy, and you have to deal with so many crazy situations. And when I hit that, it makes me just open my heart in love. Instead, I make that choice to just open my heart. This person is doing the best they can do. I open my heart, and it changes everything. So that message from him has really changed how I do business, how I interact with people, because instead of just going crazy back on them like you crazy person, <laughs> I just I just open my heart instead and accept them and understand that, that we all have our challenges in life and then we just keep going and it keeps the whole thing going so smoothly. And that was a gift from my father and that's how it shows up in my life constantly. Because Ama- I saw him do that. Yeah, that's an amazing yeah. gift and, and words to live by. Absolutely words to live by. I love it, Margo. Yep. We're down to about two minutes. Do you have maybe one other experience, a message that you received while you were while you were doing this? Um, let's see. What's my, what's my final message? Um, mm-hmm. I hate to do that to um, you, but we're running short on time. Yeah, 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 I know. Um, well, there, there was one last, my neighbor, when, when he died, um, I gave the, the, the funeral, I gave the eulogy over the phone because I couldn't make it back there. And wow. I would have, and, I, and it was really a beautiful experience, but then they sent me a picture of him in, his, in the casket, and he had this bright red Hawaiian shirt on in, in the middle of the winter. And I, I thought, it. boy, if I had seen that, I would have given a total different message because in death, he gave his message about how to celebrate and live life because that's how he was. And so that was huge to me. So every day I look for my white, red Hawaiian shirt so that I make sure that I'm myself every moment and just don't care what other people think. Nobody that, would have buried themselves in a red Hawaiian shirt but him. That is so, so cool. live your life the way God created you. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Margo, uh, again, uh, your book is called Light in the Morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. It's on Amazon, folks. You can get it right now. It's a good read. It's not a hard read. It's not one of those 800 pages, can I ever get through it type books. Uh, Margo, thanks for writing it. Thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me, Andy. I've really enjoyed this. It's been a pleasure. Margo Stay safe and healthy. You too, yeah. (laughs)
Stay, stay okay. safe, and safe in place. Thank you. See you later. It's 9.59 on News Radio 94.9, 890 KDXU. Thanks for listening to The Andy Griffin Show. Uh, lots of good stuff coming up uh, in the next week. In fact, tomorrow we actually have Dr. Blodgett. He's uh, from Southwest Utah Public Health Department. He'll give us the latest on COVID-19 here in the county. I'm Andy Griffin. Thanks for listening today. We'll see you tomorrow.